Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I'm a feminist, but I feel like I'm a more powerful one since I got my boss bitch haircut. That's right. <laughs> Say goodbye to the lockdown dowdiness where I didn't really feel like a powerful woman. Fleabag was right. Hair is everything, Anthony. I'm a feminist, but when the last lockdown eased, the first phone call I made, as in before calling my mother, was to call and book laser hair removal. Oh! Listen, I honestly, I waxed before I got my hair cut, so I'm no one to judge. But it was the worst phone call ever, Deborah, because I rang, and I don't know if you've made that call but I, you, you ring and they ask you like how much of your lips you want exposed what's up with your mound like what are you going to do hair wise tell you not to shave the bits that you want to keep all that jazz and then at the end she goes um cool so uh what color is the hair at the end I've already given her my email address and my lip exposure no. ideally and she goes what what color is the hair and I, I was like oh I'm a redhead and she was like oh I'm so sorry we can't help with that <gasps> Because you can only get laser if you have brown or dark brown hair. The laser doesn't pick up fair or red hair. So I've told this woman my phone number, my email address, my preferences on my lips. And then she was like, ew, no, this is a ginger free zone. What? <laughs> oh, Catherine, that's humiliating. That it was quite so, gingerous. It was so embarrassing. Oh, God. Really she bad. took your whole name to sheet. You didn't give a fake name. Nope. But man, I wish I had. So now when she sees you on live at the Apollo, she's <laughs> going to be like, oh, that's, she is a, she's a natural redhead, you know, she'll be saying to everyone in the room when she sees you on the telly. She's a natural redhead because she rang up <laughs> oh, inquiring God. about laser hair removal and I told her we didn't do redheads. <laughs> I remember the name specifically. <laughs> I was also just, she'll remember me because I just sounded so dejected. I was like, oh, like I got really nihilistic about it. I was like, oh, 
well, I guess that's that then. Like, I was like really <laughs> melodramatic. So she'll be like, yeah, and she's really not okay about it. <laughs> she really wants that hair gone. But the thing is, I don't know. I'm not sure about laser hair removal because fashion changes and like yeah. armpit hair. I know people that did laser off their armpit hair and armpit hair's right in now. So I just think, I I don't know, you want to permanently get rid of hair. Also, you may decide uh, later on that you, to use Samantha from Sex and the City's words, prefer a full bush. I mean, I've had it for quite a while, Deb. I think if I don't love it now, but listen, this is an I'm a feminist butt moment. You're probably right. Listen. But also, I just just want to not have to go down there. I'm going to start a new... (laughs) A new laser hair company just for redheads. Where I'll, Thank I'll put you. The, I'll put the investment into technology. I think I'll call it Moses, and the <laughs> because the the insignia will be a burning bush, bright red. <laughs> Incredible! That was so quick. I I love your marketing. That yes, please. I will attend, and I'll bring the hordes of redheads I know with me. Yeah, who are being discriminated against for being ginger because no one cares about gingers. Um, Finally, people are talking about it. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but I just bought myself a pretty pink jewellery box. And the only thing I'm mad about is that it doesn't have a ballerina spinning around in the middle. (laughs) So pretty. I know that would be really nice. Also, like, do you ever find that music quite creepy in those ones where the dolls are? Yeah. Yeah. Like the ballerinas are beautiful, but the music was always like, I'm going to kill my mommy. (laughs) You are right, actually. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You are right. Mm. Mm. I'm a feminist, but when I discovered that the laser hair removal place I had called did not provide that service for redheads, I spent 24 hours figuring out if I could get it banned so that no other woman could access laser hair removal if I couldn't. Yeah. Feminism is all about equality. If redheads can't have it, I don't see why anyone yeah. else should. No. I'm just saying. I mean, I don't want it, so I'm fine with you banning it for everybody. Um, <laughs> but I am going to go out on a limb and say that as a white woman, I don't think you should be banning it from women of color who are discriminated against for having more hair. Yeah. See? Oh, come on I, here to oh, moan about your oppression, God Catherine. damn it, Deborah. And I have pushed back on your... God damn it, Deborah. Fine. Citing your privilege. Fine, they can have it. You happy? Fine. I, <laughs> I feel like that's not the attitude. I'm a feminist, but when I was prepping this episode on confrontation, I actually was trying to read about confrontation, but I accidentally went down an internet wormhole about what Matthew Perry is doing now and wallpaper samples. How is Matthew Perry? He doesn't look well. Oh no, what a shame. What's he up to? I think he's better. He's met someone. Nice. I want that for him. Yeah, he didn't he was in a bad place. Uh and he looked like he was in a bad place. Uh I won't go into salacious celebrity oh, gossip, but he didn't look like he was in a good place. But then he's met somebody who he describes as the most wonderful woman on the planet. I think I'm gonna check her age. I don't think now, listen, I'm not one to say you can't have an age gap, but I am one to point out that lots of celebrities have one. Um, so oh Matthew Perry, girlfriend. I mean, they might have just met and really hit it off. Who am I to judge an age gap? Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew Perry, girlfriend. Molly Hurwitz. 
Uh, oh, engaged now. Oh, fiance. Okay. Okay. And Molly Hurwitz is 29 and he's 51. So, you know, it's not too bad. She's not 22. No, I mean, she's seven years off it. Yeah, that's fine. Mm. <laughs> Would you go out with Matthew Perry? I mean, Would I go out with Matthew Perry? Just for the stories. I'm. Could you be any more unexcited about going out with Matthew Perry? No, <laughs> because of Monica and Chandler, I wanted to be Chandler and marry Monica. Not, mm. But unfortunately, I am Monica and I, 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 I don't want to marry Chandler. No, I understand that. That's absolutely so fair. He may be different from his character, but then also maybe more difficult than his character. If you had to marry one of the friends, which one would you marry? Monica. Monica, all day long. Because she she likes all things day long. clean. Every event would be delightful. And she'd that, never mess up my cupboards. I mean, she amazing. cooks. She's highly strong, yeah. but she brings the energy to the room. So am I. She's great. She's we, very we could, hospitable. We could pool our ribbon drawer. I'd <laughs> have the best time. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Who yeah. would I go for? Yeah. I think I would go for one of the girls as well. I just, I feel like looking back, the men were quite problematic in different ways. Like Joey would like interview yeah. people for flatmates and be like, oh, like ask them salacious questions and like there was Naked Thursdays and stuff like that. Take the shower curtain down, stuff like that. He mm-hmm. was not, that was like harassing and then yeah, really terrifying okay. stuff. I mean, I know it was a sitcom in the 90s, so we can't be too surprised, but I was just, no. And David Schwimmer's character, Ross was very controlling. <sighs> and Chandler what was What about you and, I quite like the idea of you and Rachel because like she could bring you home samples from work. She could just like, Oh, I just got you an amazing pair of shoes and I feel like you'd show her the world and you'd have Oh, I think I think you and Rachel would be amazing. She is the most fanciable friend, let's be honest. If but I would be I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, could I could I I like that idea, but I think Phoebe would be the most fun. You'd have a really every day would be a surprise. Oh, she would Phoebe. be the most And she's kinky as well. There's so many references to her being kinky. Yeah, that's true. I was just thinking that maybe you could get Phoebe as like the add-on friend, like the benefit of dating Rachel would be that you get to hang out with Phoebe, but ultimately you also get days off from Phoebe. Mm. So I feel like it'd be full on the whole time. I see what you're right. She'd probably be the best in bed. I think she is. There's so many references to it. I think she's, she's wild in bed. Agreed. I just think it'd be, (laughs) she'd be more interesting. I feel like Rachel would be, she's not political enough for me, Rachel. Agreed, but I think you could open Rachel's mind, you know? I think you, you'd you be good for her in that way. But you're right. I think Phoebe would more readily get her to set a protest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Listen, I will date both Rachel and Phoebe and we'll see where we land. We'll come and visit you and Monica. Please. In our perfect, perfect house. Take yes. off your shoes. From a variety of bedrooms and kitchens via Zoom, The Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Catherine Bohart, and our very special guest, Ash Nico, talking about confrontation. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis-White, with me is Catherine Bohart, and we are talking about confrontation. Catherine, (laughs) confrontation, are you good at confronting people? Oh no, awful. Really, really bad. I have, it's so interesting that we're 
like talking about it because I am so afraid of it. I recently talked a lot to a therapist about this because I'm really bad at setting boundaries, saying no, telling people I'm uncomfortable. And so I started practicing on the easiest targets because obviously like it works out from your family, doesn't it, in terms of what's easiest to confront. So I think it's like family, workplace, friends, strangers is like the gradient of ease with which you can approach people. But I, I get a lot of messages, as I'm sure you do, Deborah, from like from people I don't know, most of whom are very supportive, but some of whom are very invasive. And I recently went through a breakup and post that I got a lot of messages of people asking me downright rude questions. Um, and I think that the thing I was so afraid of, even though I didn't know them, was never going to meet them. I was terrified to like stand up for myself because then, you know, they might come back with some sort of confrontation and say something. And I wasn't. Were they asking you why you broke up and stuff like that? But they were total strangers. Yeah. So like, hi, why aren't you guys together anymore? Who broke up with who? What happened? Did one of you cheat? Just like really My rude God. questions. But like, they're like, I'm watching this soap opera. A hundred percent. No, this is actually I went on Hinge, Deborah. I went on Hinge and most of the messages I got were like, Oh, I listened to your podcast. Why are you here? Like, do, what? Why? But anyway, I um, I started practicing with those people because I thought like low stakes. And I just say things I was like, like, hey, I don't know you. So this is both inappropriate and invasive or inappropriate and impolite. And, you know, most of those people replied to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Oh, did they? Which I was shocked by. Like confronting people wasn't met with confrontation which I it really kind of blew my mind a bit because I assumed it would escalate and um, but most people backed down wow and I was like oh there's a power in this wow that's amazing I used to be very bad at confrontation of any sort but I've got better at, mm. at setting boundaries and I think you I've discovered ways in which you can set your boundaries without being um without negative energy uh not always yeah. Not always, but often if you see it coming, you can cut confrontation off at the pass by having an open dialogue mm-hmm. and saying, this is mm-hmm. what's going to work for me. If this isn't going to work for you, I totally get it, but I'm going to withdraw. And the more I can yeah. anticipate now and just, and people really don't seem to mind those conversations. I think they're grateful for them because they also sensed or they like, oh, I had no idea. So, you know, yeah, of course, go for it. It's so much better what I don't like is sometimes when people assume the worst and especially on the internet, sometimes people come after you and they assume the absolute worst. And so I would like the world to make more positive assumptions and go from what I know of your work, I assume you meant well here. However, the impact of this is this, as opposed to going in like, you must have done this or you must have. I'm like, well, must have no, to stop, like make the most positive assumption. So my way of confronting is you're still confronting somebody, but I try and make a positive assumption about where they're coming from, what they meant. And then I start from there. And I find if I make a positive assumption, nine times out of 10, I'm right. If I'm wrong, we can get into it down the line. If they go, no, I meant to do that. Blah, blah, that blah. That is so wise. You can, and we'll still, you still have time really to get wise. into it. You've always got time to confront. You've not yeah. necessarily got time to back. Like once you've gone in very angry and hostile, it's hard to back down. So delay the confrontation while you make a positive assumption. That person will let you know if that positive assumption wasn't correct. And you can still then say, hey, this isn't cool. 
please welcome to the microphone, the incredible Catherine Bohart. Hello. Hi. How are we? I am. I'm so excited to be here. I I mentioned that I'm going. Well, I'm not going through. I've I've been through in during lockdown a breakup, and um, it actually really brought up confrontation for me because the breakup was the end of a five year relationship, but the conversation we had about that end was approximately seventeen minutes long, and that is because. I sort of sat there and didn't um, say anything. Um, and I, that would be pretty par for the course with me. I'd say I generally tend to take things on and then uh, I'll do um, a bit of a bottle and then I'll practice or say in a mirror what I would or could or should have said mm. much, much later. But what I did in this particular breakup was instead of um, replying to the person or indeed asking any follow-up questions was, and also that's partly because I, I've been the breaker-upper, right? I know that you, when you break up with somebody, you generally mean it. You're not going to be persuaded out of it if they're just like really, um, really polite about it. So I knew it was over, but I channeled, instead of like any verbal confrontation, I channeled all of my feelings into um, how I deal with confrontation, conflict or stress uh, into a to-do list. And so I made a to-do list of ways to deal with it. And the first thing was to deal with the practical situation, the practical fallout of my breakup. So for example, she took half the pillows, I needed to replace the pillows. And the problem was, as I worked my way through this to-do list. One of the things on the to-do list was to get new pillows. And as I worked my way through the to-do list, I convinced myself that I was feeling better and less anxious and less angry and less hostile about what had occurred and less resentful of my incapacity to speak at the time. So I was like, yes, this is actually resolving the issue for me. I don't need to take it to her. I don't have any unresolved issues. I'm feeling good. So I order the pillows because it's number eight or nine. On my, it's eight. Why am I guessing? I know exactly what that to-do list said. It was number eight on my list. I got it done. I ordered it. I I didn't skimp either. Like I didn't skimp. For me, at least, I spent like 40 quid on two pillows from Marks and Spencer's. To me, that was like a lot of money or at least, you know, like it wasn't the cheapest pillows I could have gotten. I was like, but you know what? Treat yourself. You've had your heart broken. You don't need to look for alternative options. Just order them. Problem solved. Ticked it off my to-do list. Oh, what a rush. Anywho, these 40 pounds worth of pillows arrive the next day. And, um... I don't know if you know this, but Marks and Spencer's apparently sell, and I found out the hard way, something called toddler pillows. <laughs> um, I didn't know those were a thing. Why would they need to be a thing? I think toddlers could use normal human-sized pillows. No one's ever been like, oh, this pillow's too much comfort for my head shape. So they're basically the size of like your average makeup bag, just enough Uh, to make me cry uh, as I opened the packaging. That kind of depressing size. And I was like, why do they even sell these? Why is this a thing? But I was so aghast, so incapable of like taking them to the shop and explaining that they're like, it wasn't clear. I was so full of rage that was nothing to do with the pillows. And I genuinely hated with this. I, and this... I threw toddler pillows out my window. That's a thing that I did. And it was in that moment that I realized I might need to deal with conflict head on. Because <laughs> um, what happened instead was that I have I have a window that doesn't even fully drop. 
I have a window that doesn't go to a direct drop. Instead, these toddler pillows went out my window and landed on a shallow, like a low roof outside my window and just stared in at me for a week, which is basically what happens when my feelings are left unresolved or unsaid. I was like, okay, thank you for the very on the nose metaphor universe. I get it. I should have returned them. I got my 40 quid back, but it was genuinely, it was so weird. And then the thing that struck me about my breakup also was like, and and I think it's just, I don't mean to keep talking about it as an event specifically, but I think it's emblematic of a lot of things. It's like how, as women, I think we're often willing to be more, to have more confrontation and be, be more confrontational on other people's behalves, other women's behalves than our own. Like yeah. it's very uncomfortable to do it for yourself, but women are very happy to advocate for each other. And the best example I had of this was weirdly my dentist. Because about two weeks after the breakup, I went to my dentist and I have a lovely dentist. She's Irish. Her name's Karen. Um, She really books that stereotype, a very nice woman called Karen. And she is delightful. But Karen is also, uh, she loves to chat. She loves to ask questions. She loves to know about you. And Karen also, I think, loves that I'm a lesbian. And she loves to get into it. So Karen's asking me how I am, how my ex-girlfriend is, how her teeth are since since she's seen her. Oh, that's hard to say. How we're getting on in lockdown, how we're finding living together, how things are going. And I don't initially tell Karen that we've broken up because I haven't yet told my therapist and that feels like it's the wrong way around. But I'm like, (laughs) all right, about question 14 in, because she's still asking, I've realised Karen's not going to let it go, right? She, lo- I'm maybe her only lesbian. She really wants to get into this. So I think, okay, next time Karen takes her hand out of my mouth, I'm going to have to say that we've broken up. So she takes her hand out of my mouth and she asks me another question and I have to say, Karen, I'm sorry, I should have said from the start, but we've actually broken up. And Karen then takes a long pause, which, as I assume you can tell from my set, Irish women don't do very readily. So I thought, oh shit, here we go. <laughs> And she went, um, all right. Uh, she's due in here next week. And I was like, uh-huh. I didn't expect to get you in the divorce. That's fine. And she said, hmm. And then there was another long pause and Karen said, do you want me to stab her in the gums? <laughs> And I was like, no, Karen, that doesn't seem very professional. That's okay. There's no need, really. Thank you. And she was like, no, no, it's fine. Honestly, we're not doctors. And I was like, oh, my God. So um, I'm not, I know, I do not trust your dentist. So what I'm saying is, while I think women find confrontation hard, and I certainly am one of those women, I think being a woman gives you a sort of like personal army of uh, confronters because we are nothing if not keen for in solidarity for confrontation on our on our sisters' behalves in times of heartbreak, and I love that about us. So wow. it's been very nice to talk to you. Uh, be kind to those around you, uh, unless. Um, Unless you got to stab him in the gums, in which case I say, go for it. Uh, I've been Catherine Bohart. Have a nice evening. Day, time. Who knows what time it is on this podcast? There it is. <laughs> that was fantastic, Catherine. That was absolutely Thanks, fantastic. Guys. I, this week, went to a dance class um, with uh, my dance teacher and she was making me do the most painful plies where I was like, at one point I actually said to her, Lisa, it's been lovely working with you and I've really enjoyed our time together. I'm sorry. <laughs> that I'm unable to continue dance. And she laughed. And at the end of it, she said, she said, I said something about her girlfriend. She went, you know, we broke up. And I went, 
is that why you were getting me to do these really cruel exercises? I was like, are you sharing the pain? And she laughed and went, no, not consciously. <laughs> I was like, oh. That's amazing. Interesting. Interesting. That's so funny. But also, A, I have so much sympathy because I sometimes do bar and, oh my God, like those plies can get in the bin. Oh my but God. But also, I even wonder if we like self-inflicted a bit. Like I, I went to my, to the place I go get my piercings and I was getting two done on the same day. And this girl was like, just talking to me and asking me, you know, wh- how things were going. And I told her that I'd just been through a breakup and she was like, oh, that makes set more sense. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, both of these are really painful and you could have just done them on separate days. And I was like, cool, Where, cool, cool. Did not realize I was pissed? consciously doing that to myself. What were you having? I'm just like, I have um, like the top sides of my ears, but basically she was like, you could just get one side so that then you could at least have a non-painful ear to sleep on. Yeah. But you've chosen to make this entire thing torturous. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah I see uh, what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But Painful uh, ears on a toddler's pillow. Tears on my pillow. Pain in my heart. Shoot me in the face. By you. Uh, except not tears <laughs> on your pillows because the pillows are on a ledge outside your window. Hello, Guilty Feminists. It's Jessica Regan here, and I'm delighted to announce that we have added four dates for a summer season of Big Speeches workshops. Now, these workshops are for anyone who feels there's an area of communication in their lives that they would like to improve or feel better about. It could be interviews or public speaking, speaking up at meetings, or even just negotiating going back into social settings again, which, let's face it, is pretty daunting these days. The dates are as follows, Saturday the 26th of June at 10.30am, Sunday the 27th of June at 3pm, Saturday the 24th of July at 10.30am and Sunday the 25th of July at 3pm. Now all those workshops are online so you can attend from the comfort of your own home. We also have subsidised places so please do get in contact with us to avail of those. It books up fast so do book to avoid disappointment and I really look forward to seeing you there. today is a singer rapper on an astronomical rise she's just released her hotly anticipated demi devil mixtape which has gained critical acclaim from the observer to the nme she's been named as one to watch by vogue l the sunday times magazine and me deborah francis white here at the guilty feminist i'm naming you now one to watch named that's all that matters thank you I mean, I feel here it's all that matters in this space. Uh, For her acerbic lyrics that swing punches at the patriarchy as well as promoting sexual liberation, please welcome Ashniko. Yes. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm sorry I've been such a, a chaotic guest. Um, but I'm here it's, now. It's the kind that we love the most, if I'm completely honest. Um, yeah. So in case it gets edited out, Ash Nico had a problem with headphones. Her manager had to run and get her headphones from a local corner store. Yeah. And that means she is on M&M's headphones right now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah like sorry, it sounds M&M's like headphones. you're on Slim Shady's headphones because he's your neighbor. <laughs> what she actually means is uh, headphones that feature the candy M&M. <laughs> 
<laughs> from the grocery store. <laughs> from the grocery store. It's genuinely the most American collab I've ever seen. She's borrowed Eminem's headphones. Amazing. So, uh, yeah. Pretty, yeah. <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah. Not no very feminist. No one would think that was the confusion with us, Deborah. No one would be like, does she mean Eminem's or does she mean Eminem? But what a nice place to be that people are like, it must be the rapper. <laughs> well, I could see that they had Eminem's on them. Otherwise, I would have made it a, a, an assumption that. Uh, green Eminem's. Green Eminem's. Oh, which was yeah. the- that's, the, that's the sexy one. The certainly it is. everyone knows it. Certainly, yeah. the 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 M M&M on the road less traveled by. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think that's apparent. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, headphone um, headphone problems, and I had a poltergeist. So it's a lot. There's a lot of things on the list of problems. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big day. You had a poltergeist in your house last night. You woke up to hear footsteps, and your dog went off, went ballistic. Yeah, you were like, oh my god, and you ran out of the house, and yeah. then your manager. Yeah, well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the full, the full riveting story. Please. Um, so it was midnight. I was just like settling down to watch um, that show, Shadow and Bone, on Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like about to eat my food at midnight because I literally don't care about my metabolism and <laughs> I want to fuck up my stomach. Um, yeah, and then all of a sudden I hear this crash. Well, not really a crash, but like a thump in the house, like close by, like in the next room. And I was like, I was like, eh, it's fine. It's no big deal. It's, uh, you know, my brain's just like writing it off as nothing. And then all of a sudden I hear like four more thumps, like heavy footsteps. My dog goes fucking berserk. She's like losing her mind, like the same, like, you know, dogs just know when something's Mm -hmm. there. Um, She's losing her mind. I'm like, all of a sudden, I just like, this is how I know I'm horrible in an emergency situation. Last night was proof. (laughs) I like jumped backwards off the couch towards the door, screaming like a, like a pterodactyl. (laughs) I, um, I was like, I was like. Whoever's in my house, you need to get out right now. Like, I'm calling the police. I'm, like, freaking out. I'm losing my mind. I ended up calling my ex-boyfriend out of desperation. Like, I don't, I don't um, even... And no. I, called I mean, that's, him. that's when we know it's bad. Yeah. He was, called- he, was like, he was like, I don't know. I don't know what you should do. I'm like, fuck you. I called my manager, and they were like, we're on our way. And they come. I, I get in the car, and I go, I, like speed race down the street like crying hyperventilating just park outside a gas station my manager comes like busts open the door and he's like who's in here there's nothing there's nothing in there blank no doors are open no can windows. you see anything has fallen over or been knocked over nothing nothing can i'm I just, so can i posit that you might have just been too hungry Maybe. <laughs> so I probably like how I react to all off. hunger. Because I think yeah. people people can yeah, you know fair. you can hear something bang on the window or something like that, and and it's the wind or something, and you think. But the dog dogs yeah. know these things because yeah. I notice my cats. If there's an explosion on the television, my cats are like they just don't acknowledge it. But if there's a bird that I can't hear on the terrace, they're like <gasps> like they can hear me come home before Tom because they can hear the cab door. So I think animals do know. So I yeah. think her hair was standing up and she was like really freaking out. She was obviously very shaken oh. and I was like, "Oh god." I was like, "There's somebody in here. My dog knows. I'm out of here." 
Wow. Does anyone else have the key? No. Sorry to be Miss Marple about this, but I feel it's no. my job. No, wow. no, one else. no one's got a key. Your ex boyfriend doesn't have a key that he could have left somewhere no. or. No. Wow. No. On the ex boyfriend, isn't it good that he was so bad in that situation, though? Because if he was like a savior extraordinaire, you'd actually have to rethink your choices. But because yeah, he was no. terrible, it's like, oh, yeah, that's why we're, that's why we're not yeah. together. Great. Yeah, cool, yeah. Cool, I cool. was so relieved that he didn't like run over like a knight in shining armor. Yeah. Like, yeah, phew, you're useless. Great. Probably yeah, <laughs> that's confirmed. Yeah. That's in the box. If he, yeah, but you think he would have just, I'm annoyed with him because when someone's in an emergency and they feel unsafe, you come over. It doesn't matter what happened or blah, blah, blah. You just yeah. come over and make sure they're safe. I'm not yeah. rating him. Could, is there any way you could phone. call him so I could tell him how un, how <laughs> absolutely outrageous his behavior is? I know. Yeah, he didn't even, he was like, um, call the police, I guess. I was like, what? Like, what am I, what the fuck? I was like, this is happening right now. Um, yeah, it was, it was useless. But also, I'd good- be too scared to call the police in, in America because they've got guns. Like yeah, our police I, don't have guns. I know that sounds like an anathema to Americans, but our police have little truncheons like that. Yeah, I know. Um, and they I don't know. just like bang open a door and shoot wildly in every direction. Yeah. Um, your still, police still, is so frightening. They're still pretty horrible, but on the scale of wildness, they're, they're in the middle. But uh, yeah, our police are pretty hardcore. I like didn't want to call them. That was like super last resort. I think I probably would have gone in there with a baseball bat before calling the police. Yeah, they've got SWAT cars and stuff there as well that look like army <laughs> tanks. It, it yeah. terrifies me. Your whole the police is militarized now in America. They know in such a horrible way. Um, yeah. But look, you know, I'm so happy that you, despite this trauma if, and drama, you came it on was the show. Guys, should you just use sage? Oh yeah, I'm gonna sage the whole the whole place tonight. I I just got back, so I I had to run back. So I went to go stay at my manager's house. I was like, "Listen, bud," I was like, "I can't stay here. Somebody, I like have to stay somewhere yeah. else." So me and my dog went. To Do go you have stay. a buddy who can come over and stay with you for a couple of nights? No, not really. God, if I were in LA, I would just come over and like. Hmm. camp in your on your sofa for a couple of nights just you know i'm sorry i'm not there i appreciate it i'm thinking about switching airbnbs um oh you're in an airbnb that's a good idea yeah so i live in london normally um yeah but i i'm in i'm in an airbnb like a long-term airbnb here i'm here i'm like split my time between london and la I do um, know. I, I thought I read that, but when they said ooh. you're in LA, I was like, "Oh, that must be wrong." She lives in America. Um, yeah. Well, I'm delighted that you live in London because then we can hang out. Because soon, yeah, June twenty second, yeah, party. Let's do it. I'm, I'm um yeah. I'm having a I'm having a great time in London. I've been there seven years now. I'm a feminist, but I'm thinking about having a barely legal party on the 22nd of June. That's the theme, barely legal. Um, I think that could be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we what, play what this game. Dress up as? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think we can dress up as, but ba- I mean, you could probably, you both of you could get away with dressing up as barely legal. But firstly, I would feel uncomfortable. <laughs> and secondly, I could not pull that off. I feel like people would be like, Deborah, you really should not have tried. <laughs> and that's not my that's not the entrance back into society I most want for people to go, oh no. Um I want them to go, wow, you look amazing. You look so fresh after Your this. Your entrance back into society. It feels like a debutante ball. 
<laughs> it really does. Debutante ball, because my name's Deborah, so we could put de- putting the Deb into debutante ball. Change the theme. Debutante <gasps> ball. Yeah. It's so much better than Belly Legal, which I should not be making that joke. It's not funny, but it is kind of funny. I'm a feminist butt. We play this game at the beginning of the show, Ash, called I'm a feminist butt, where we confess things and exfoliate mm. stuff in our feminism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm a feminist butt. When I heard that Bill and Melinda Gates were divorcing, my first thought was, I'd be really interested in divorcing Bill Gates. I missed out on divorcing Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to marry either of those guys, but I'd love to divorce them. Can you th- think of the money? And also you get to kind of slightly stick it to them. Yeah, um, I mean, absolutely. Bill Gates, I think, is objectively a better person than Jeff Bezos. But then, frankly, who isn't? Um, yeah. Didn't um it's a low bar. Didn't Jeff Bezos' ex-wife like donate loads of money to charity? Yeah. And, and yeah. Bill and Melinda Gates, their whole thing is the foundation and they've cured polio in Africa with her. They definitely mm. do good stuff with their money. I just have a problem with billionaires deciding where money goes. They sit on it and they decide. And I just think increasingly the world's becoming, we have to beg the potentates for their charity and we have to ask, could you please, we have to get in a private jet with them and go, and could we have a little bit of money for this? And I just want people to pay tax good amount yeah. of tax and then collectively the people decide where that money goes i don't believe yeah. in billionaires yeah honestly i also just yeah i don't know if you can be a billionaire and a good person they feel mutually exclusive no you can't really you because you have to be somebody is being abused in that situation this that's a you are living in in in, in you're, you're orchestrating the inequality like we all participate in inequality because we all have iPhones and stuff. So we participate. You have but to do bad things. Bad things have, to get there. You have Really to. bad thing. I was well, at a party the other day. Oops, I was at a party. Sorry. Um, I and, hope you, I was an outdoor party. With, and yeah, you no, it was. It was an outdoor party. Um, and mm-hmm. it was. Saved. Yeah. I'm a feminist, but I went to a, a, a house party the other day, I guess. And. Was very COVID unfriendly. But um, anyways, uh, we're not perfect. No one's perfect. Everyone is vaccinated in LA also. Oh, you're vaccinated. Yeah. yeah. At some point, I don't, I mean, America's in an unwieldy sitch, but at some point when we're all vaccinated and the hospitals can cope, it's, we're going to have to go back. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, when you went to the party, what happened? Yeah. So this guy is like a, an older gentleman. He, um, you can tell, like, he's had loads of work done on his face. He's, like, he looks like a Ken doll. He has, like, a cat, a dog in his hand, and he's stroking it. It's all very like, sinister. Like a Bond villain. Yeah. And everyone at the party was super young. And he had obviously, like, orchestrated this party. Like, I don't know, to be surrounded by youth. It was just strange. He had like was the theme barely legal because I'm starting to honest, question my honestly, idea. Honestly, it might have been the barely legal <laughs> theme. It was super. It was strange, but he, um, yeah, it was just really weird. He had loads of really suggestive paintings on the walls, like very, <laughs> like obviously he made fuckloads of money, and I could just tell. I just had a feeling that he had done bad things to get that rich. I just had a bad feeling, and the whole night I had to like restrain my hands from stealing things from him uh, <laughs> oh I, you went you went, were you you were just drawn to shoplift just to even the score yeah i just wanted to like stick it to him and like just steal from him i just have never wanted to steal from from anyone more i just felt like it was my it was my duty i had to i didn't i didn't steal anything i didn't but I, in I full support to. 
I was yeah. just going to say, what did you get? I'm disappointed you didn't get anything. Yeah, he had like loads of really like expensive art and like statues. And I honestly was like, I'm going to swipe a statue. Um, <laughs> I, I God. <laughs> I really I, kind of wish you had. I mean, obviously it's good you did it, but I kind of wish you had. Reminds me of Fleabag where she steals the little gold statue. Do you know Fleabag, the TV show? No, no I don't. Oh my God, you would love Fleabag. It's really good. If If you had a tuning fork... It mm. would be the same pitch as your music, but a different octave. Okay. Do you know what I'll I mean by that? I'll, I'll yeah. pop it on my list. Is it a UK it, show? Yes. Okay. It's a it's a, yes. a woman called Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who you probably okay. have heard of at some point or other. I'm going to send you a link. Yeah, I love British television. It's superior. Um, well, thank you very you much. Uh, our country thanks you for that. But you will love, you'll really love Fleabag. Um, okay. I was so here for you robbing from this man until I realized during your story that actually rich people only have high risk goods worth stealing so like in my head I was like yeah steal something but I didn't think that like you'd actually have to serve time if you got caught and then I realized rich people only own things Mm. like expensive art and statues most people don't have statues to even steal we're like is it the kind of place where it's like the pens were nice yeah, yeah. I was like, mm. any. I'll steal anything. I'll steal a roll of toilet paper. I don't care. Just anything. Just stick it to him. I don't know. Bad okay, vibes. I need you to write me a song called Robin Hood. But okay. So that we get the sense of what happened yes. that night and what yeah. why you wanted to steal. For the new album, Poltergeist, for the new Exorcist album, can there be a uh-huh. song called, <laughs> I'm just going to, Exorcist album, song called mm. Robin Hood. Yeah. Um, but I feel like you would switch it up and it would be oh, like more like I want like Robin Hood to be a better girl called Robin's Clit. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Robin's Hood. Just put it out there. <gasps> that's yeah, so... I want that. <laughs> Perfect. That's really good. That's really that's, good. That's so good. Just a thought. Okay. okay, can we collaborate on that, please? By which <laughs> yeah, I mean write yeah. the song and show it to us. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'll give you... I'll give you I'll give you publishing on that. It'll be great. Thank you so much. <laughs> Listen, we're happy to add gags. But yes. as you've already seen, Catherine's are going to be better than mine. I just want to be involved. <laughs> I'll stroke a dog. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could work. I want to talk about your amazing music. Um, oh, gosh. I watched I your concert. I just realized my Zoom name on here is Gold Record Girl. I look like such a dick. Why do you look like a dick? That's- I am... Um, because you got a gold record. I'm d- delighted. You're you're a feminist. Why are you apologizing? This is an I'm a feminist, but you're a feminist, but you're apologizing for getting a gold record there. Like Yeah. Uh, my friend changed it on my birthday and I don't I don't know how to change it oh. back. I keep well, you changing just did, it. Don't change it back. It won't Look, stick. Ash now. It says Ash now. Yeah. Um, okay. No, but I listen, don't if I had a gold back. record. I'd, I'd mention, I'd drop that into conversation quite frequently. Yeah. And what's great Me is your too. friend did that. So you don't have to, you can be like, oh, I'm, how embarrassing. My friend did that. Yeah. And it, I would never have said <laughs> yeah. that I got a gold record. Yeah. But you have got a gold record and you're only 24. Is that right? 25 now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how time works. That's how age works. Oh 25 now. Yeah. It, yeah do you know fuck. what? That keeps happening, Ash, through your life. Ah! <laughs> It happens it again and a fucking again until you turn around and you're stroking a dog so at a party full of young people with I a face know. full of Botox. I know, I know. I Trying swear to, to God, I just you. got my first period and now here we are. How did this happen? <laughs> I don't know. I know, I know. But this is what continues to happen. Um, yeah. 
Now, I watched your uh, concert and obviously already knew some of your songs because they're famous. But yes. when I saw your concert, I was like, oh, my God, like you're an incredible presence on stage. You're a proper uber talent, like a once in a generation uber talent. Oh, and my I'm, God. Like was so blown away by your just like it was like you were coming out of my television at me or I was being pulled into the television. Uh, I wasn't sure which, but it was like a magnetic pull. Pull, Yeah, I just felt like, oh, my God. Like when I was 25, I was quite dowdy. I'd recently been in a cult and uh, a religious cult. So I was very dowdy, but I didn't have. What is dowdy again? Dowdy's like. A-line skirts, mid-calf level uh, Uh, cardigans. Um, What what cult was it? I was a Jehovah's Witness. Oh. And yeah, I guess the thing is like, because I was from a similar situation, not from a cult, but from a very religious background. And I think I'd gotten to maybe the sexual liberation element of it by 25, but it still had all this shame, whereas it's just like so much self-awareness, so much liberation around what you do, which is just, I don't know, if I'd heard that when I was younger, I think I'd have been like, even like, I, there's a lyric that stuck in my mind, which is like, the sex isn't going to change my views, which is like sex was either completely disallowed or like all consuming when I was young. Whereas mm, I was like, yeah. oh, you can be a person and sex can be a valid entity that you engage in. I was like, this is, yeah, it's just so cool. And it feels so next level, doesn't and it? It but- feels like for a long time, our pop stars have been in some way writhing for us. And listen, that writhing was an important period. I'm not down mm. on the writhing. I love the word writhing. It's great, isn't it? And listen, I love a bit of writhing. Nothing wrong with a writhe if yeah. writhing is, <laughs> is needed. I mean, who doesn't enjoy a writhe? But it feels like you're, in, you're exploring a sexual space without pandering to us or titillating us. It feels like you're in a box of power and again, we're being invited in and we're being invited to challenge our own, as you said, Catherine, our own fears and shame stories around sex or giggly or, you know, oh, yes, sex can't get enough of it. And just it being something you're exploring almost like an academic in some way of going, mm. yeah, here it all is and here I am and here I am interacting with it. But it feels like another thing, like a move along the chessboard um, and just before I ask you more about it, I'm just going to read a couple of your lyrics that really struck me uh, from a song called Deal With It. And the lyrics are, I don't need a man, I need a puppy. Allergic to you every time you touch me. Emotional maturity for dummies. I don't have the time to pretend you're funny. Which is really speaks to comedians and the men we have to deal with. I'm back and I'm better. I put the teddy bear you gave me in a blender. I drew a dick on all your sweatshirts. I hate you so much right now. And I was like, wow, it's so like confrontational in a good way. It's so... Uh, I've always been confrontational. <laughs> yeah. And the other one that really struck me was from Clitoris the Musical. It goes, it's like an arcade game. Your hand is the claw. The teddy bear's my orgasm that always falls. You've been rubbing the same spot on my leg for 10 minutes. You haven't hit it. Cisgender heterosexual men... I'm bored of your fumbling hands. It's not hard. This isn't uncharted land. From my clitoris, you were so goddamn far. And it just, I was just like, oh my God. It's so, you're so Gen Z in your power, in your lack of apology, in your putting it down on the table. 
I would go so far as to say maybe you're the Greta Thunberg of sex. <laughs> Thank you. That's beautiful. That's the highest compliment I've ever been paid. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad you guys enjoy my music. I um, Yeah, it means a lot coming from you both. But you were saying that you're both from religious backgrounds. I'm from a religious background also. I'm from like the, the southeast of the United States. Like I'm from the Bible Belt. I have like my grandma like pleading with me when I was 17 to like never have an abortion, like crying at my feet, like really, really desperately like trying to turn me into a good God-fearing Christian woman. Um, that and- See, it's never the way forward. If you want your daughters to be completely out there, women full of opinions and libido, mm. do put them into some kind of restrictive religion because you can see three examples of this on this one Zoom. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> All my Catholic school friends growing up are the wildest now. Yeah. It's That's always just how it happens. That's just um, how it happens. I'm I'm wild too, but yeah, I definitely came from like some real Bible thumping family. Real lots of shame, lots of homophobia, lots of misogyny. Just the whole thing is really, really like oppressive. How do your family feel about your career? Is that okay to ask? Yeah, no. Um my so I get my like rebellious streak from my dad. He was like, fuck everyone. And he moved to Eastern Europe when I was 13 because he just like couldn't handle it anymore. He just didn't like how controlling the family was and how controlling the South is. He's always like instilled a lot of rebellion in me. And he's we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. He is not a feminist, but uh, I'm working on it. He's kind of an asshole. He's a loud mouth. (laughs) And I definitely got that from him. Mm. Um, And he's very, very proud of me. And my mom as well. She's like over the moon. I think I've taught my mom a lot about sexual liberation (laughs) through my music. I feel like Mm. she just grew up in a Catholic family and didn't really know a lot about that. I think it was more about harnessing her own power and prioritizing her wants and needs. Um, which me me and her have kind of learned together, which is nice. We grew up together in that way. So many women of maybe that generation and the generation before that and the generation before that who would not maybe have identified as feminists did a lot of feminist shit uh, in order to power forward and in a way lay the groundwork in some way or another um, Mm. for us. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com What makes you write the songs that you do? Like, where does it come from? Because um, it's not like really what anyone else is doing. I think I just really didn't like the like candy coating in pop music of like sex. I just feel I I feel like you don't need you can you can just be straightforward. I just think there's something funny about using the actual scientific term for eating pussy in a song. I, I want to be straightforward and honest about it and honest about my experiences. Somebody said that. They were like, Ashniko's music is like reading a really slutty 16-year-old girl's diary. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, fuck you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of reads like a diary sometimes. I don't know. What are my inspirations? I think just powerful women, my super Christian upbringing. Um it's the, it's the sort of, yeah, the pulling away from that. Catherine, yeah. what was your response? Because you texted me this afternoon going, I'm obsessed. Well, it's two things. One, I think it's interesting to talk about your inspirations because you actually like include them a lot, like with Avril and with Khalees. I feel like they were confrontational at the time, but it wasn't necessarily received as positively as you were being received. So it's cool to see them in yeah. your work. But I think I gave your girlfriend Conalingus on my couch is like, you're right. It's like, it's weirdly more confrontational, funnier. And yeah. the nice thing about it is it doesn't allow for evasion. Like if you're euphemistic, people can read in what they want. Whereas it's mm-hmm. like straight up, I ate out your girlfriend. There's no question. <laughs> it's gay as hell. And like, that's so, if I, like, I don't know, that just would have been so mind blowing to me. But I do mm-hmm. like, and I love how much it you focus on queer sexuality as well. But I wonder... There's this trope in a lot of music at the minute, which is sort of like queer sex is sort of like a, a thing that's done like vengefully or like a little minor kink in what is usually like a straight presenting musician's work. So it's like if it's like to titillate, as Deborah says, or like to get back, but there's never any like it's just straight up or not never. I mean, Janelle Monáe exists. So there's a lot, and so do you. So there's lots of like sapphic forward music but I feel like yours is so overtly that in a way that we haven't seen in ages and it's exciting was that on purpose I mean I kind of played with the um I played with some sapphic tropes in slumber party like kind of as a a private joke to myself like kind of poking fun at like the I kiss the girls of the pop world Mm -hmm. with the like slumber party and with the playing dress up at my house I like for me it was like kind of a joke to be subversive in the chorus and then flip it completely in the verses and be like, no, we actually eat pussy. Yeah. For some people, it didn't translate well. And they were like, you're fetishizing queer relationships. And I'm like, I'm queer. Fuck you. 
But I loved that it was like, it was so overtly a departure from I Kissed a Girl. Because I remember listening to that song and it was like, in and of itself at the time, it was sort of helpful, but then it also so wasn't. But like I said, there's just no evading, like, you can't be like, sort of doing it to make your boyfriend like it's like I'm eating out like it's a very it's a very full-on confrontational and you have to be like into it it was exciting I I just yeah I think I I messaged you Deborah because I was like I'm I'm obsessed but also like 15 year old me is freaking out dead like I like not like like I wouldn't have even known where to start yeah I feel like a a lot of my like you know everyone has that song growing up that talks about sex that makes them feel tingles tingles in their crotch um and and again that's like, another tingles in their crotch can that be another song on the exorcist <laughs> album yeah. please tingles. yeah tingles yeah. in their crotch um and for me it was like I, it was like loads of dudes talking about sex and that was giving me tingles in my crotch and I wish it had been more women. I wish I had been more like, not sexually liberated, that's the wrong term, but I wish I had heard more like straight up sexual references in music by other women growing up. For me, it was like the yin yang twins, like, wait till you see my dick. <laughs> it's like, I was like, whoa, like Petey Pablo freak a leak. It was like super, super misogynist. <laughs> like, yeah. Very dirty. Uh, but for me, it was like, yes, can't wait to have sex. That's one thing that's interesting about it, that confrontational behaviors often tend to be linked with masculine behaviors. So the sort of yeah. unsolicited dick pic, it's the sort of, I'm going to show you my dick and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, and- nothing like it. I got a whole inbox full of those. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a thing, right? And so it's somehow subverting that by you're very confrontational in the way that you move on the stage and in the way that you sing, but the confrontation somehow has a power that is not childish. It's not just about, if you could send me your dick, I can send you my clit. It's not like that. It's somehow (laughs) a sort of punk ownership of it in some way or another. Are you aware of like the is this intuitive, like an artist, you're just creating and it's just coming out of you and you're not analyzing it? Or are you aware of the more political nature of what you're writing? Like maybe like Pussy Riots, they're doing something that's overtly political. Is this overtly political or is it more like creative flow? You don't quite know where it comes from. Uh, I think it's more creative flow. I think as soon as I start thinking about it too hard, then I won't be able to write. Anything. Oh God! I'm I'm I, so I'm I'm fucking you up right now yeah, by telling you this. I won't this. be able to write this album because of you, Deborah. Uh, <laughs> if there's no more Ash Nico music, it's all on me. It's DF Dubs no. has brought it down by making her think about it. I'm very good at not letting other people like distract me from being well, creative. No, I've, so I've put the pressure on by saying you're the Greta Thunberg of music and sex now. <laughs> it's just like, I, I can't take that weighty pressure. Um, <laughs> I think it's all about sticking it to like the conservative South. That's my like, that's my drive for making a lot oh, of this music. Um, so fantastic to me. So that sort of pro-life, gun-toting, Trump-voting collective, yeah. if it's going to arrest them or kind of shock them or confront them and their bigotry and their prejudice. That's, mm. that's, that's something you want to write. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But then I also get really, like, sad when people give me hate online. I'm like, what? Why are people hating on me? And then I'm like, wait, I know the music that I write. (laughs) I write it on purpose. Um, Yeah, being a bitch is my kink is sort of... (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, no, it's like being a bitch is my kink, but then I'm like crying if I hear a noise in the house and like a a huge (laughs) softy if anyone's mean to me on the internet. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, also, just because you write confrontational stuff doesn't mean people should, you know, write uh, violent things in response. So, you know, just to say not to victim blame. I'm not saying that I deserve it for sure, but But, also like I am realistic and I know what the world's like. Um, Yeah, you've met Twitter. Uh, Yeah. I actually love that lyric, being a bitch is my king, because I feel like it is exactly what we're talking about in terms of confrontation but it's so it it already like takes what I know you're gonna say which is that that I'm annoying or that I'm whining or that I'm a bitch and it's just like yes and I fucking love it it gets me off it reminds me of like Alanis Morissette but like a step further it's like I I really like it it's just like yeah I am and I'm gonna love every second of it so if you tell it to me all you're saying is what I did is exactly what I intended to which is lovely but I it's interesting to me that you're saying that you, it just comes out of you because when there are lyrics like women carry the weight of the world and you still talk down to me like a little girl, but like, is that not, surely that has to be like an oh, yeah. expression of something. Obviously. That's- yeah. I think about it. Obviously like fuck the patriarchy. Uh, <laughs> that's a huge, also, a like, huge driving force. But is it also because you, like, do you have to think about it in the sense that, like, you present as young and female and, like, cute, for want of a better word, that you have to be, like, you seem very aware of how you're perceived and then flip it on its head quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, like, wrote a song the other day called Young and Fuckable just because I was so, like, sad about Amazing. the fact that, like, the music industry is so obsessed with young fuckable pop stars and as soon as we like hit a certain point in our lives and our careers we're kind of useless and not very like marketable so yeah I think I'm kind of like picking at that a little bit pulling that thread but yeah back to being a bitch is my kink I read something the other day on the internet I forget who said it but um it was like if people call you difficult, like hard to work with, it usually means that you're like hard to manipulate. And Mm -hmm. I was like, yes, Mm -hmm. that's what that lyric is about. It's about being like standing up for yourself. And I think what makes me horny the most in the past few years is me learning how to set boundaries. I love the fact that I've learned how to set boundaries for myself because I didn't grow up in a family that encouraged boundaries, especially for women. So I think learning that in my life has been just the sexiest thing ever. I love. How did you I do love, it? How? Yeah. I don't know. I, well, I'm still learning, obviously, but I think I like, I don't know. I just like stand up for myself in business situations. And I just like, I don't know. I guess I'm a bit of a bitch in my business, really and truly. I think if you talk to my management, I think half of them are probably scared of me because I really stand up for myself really hardcore. And sometimes that comes across as very bitchy. But at the end of the day, if I if I just let myself like go with the flow, I will be taken to a place that I'm uncomfortable 
or being manipulated. So I have to constantly be on guard. And that's really exhausting to be constantly on guard and like having to fight your corner. And I wish it wasn't that way. I wish I didn't constantly have to set these boundaries every single fucking day. But yeah, I I mean, so many women in many industries have to every single day. And I think young women in the music industry, I think if you don't, it's so easy to get steamrolled because you are the cash cap. Not to say for one second that your management is doing it, but it's just the way the industry is. It's always wanting, wanting, taking, taking. And you can end up as a sort of ATM in a way. That's the problem when you're an artist. If you're a very popular artist, you can end up as the product. And therefore you're used like, come. you've got to come here and do this and do this because so many people are making money off of you. Yeah. And it's really easy. I'm sure your manager are amazing, but it, it is, I think, unless you set those boundaries, unless you say, no, I can't do that. I'm only one person. I don't want to do that. I need to restore and repair and create. It, you've got to manage that yourself because it's so tempting for everyone else just to push you and say one more gig or one more thing. You have, that's exactly how I've been feeling recently. Like the other day, I like my management are great, but they're also workaholics and I don't think they take care of themselves very well. They will work 18 hour days sometimes just to like get the job done. And everyone's so passionate and they work so hard and they really care about me and they care about my project and they want it to do well. But also, yeah, there's still like an element of like working as hard as you can and being super productive because there's so much money on the table. Like there's so many people invested in this that you need to like be providing for. It's just like, I am one human being and Mm. yeah, I feel like. And you're young and you're living on your own and you're in a city you've never lived in before in an Airbnb and you, you know, all of that takes a toll. Somebody told me about a very famous pop star, very, very famous who, when she was with her husband at the time, he said, let's just take a couple of years off. Let's go somewhere really glorious with the kids and really rest and repair and be ourselves and be together and restore creatively and all of that. And her team just wouldn't allow it because their livings were entirely, it was like she has somebody who does her nails full time. So that manicurist who might be paid 50 grand a year to do this one person's nails is out of a job and she's got a husband and kids and then the person who does this. So the team would keep her away from him, but they would say to her, if you take a year off or two years off, you're out of the business. You're too old. You can't do it. Do you want to be out of the business and like get into her head? So she wanted to do it, but they were like, you will never work again. And she was too ambitious because, you know, of course she could have gone on for a couple of years and everyone would have loved her comeback. We would have all been waiting for it. It would have been a much better decision, but there's too many people there going, but you're my living. And when you become other people's livings, you are the product. And then do you know that Wagyu beef um, yeah. in Japan? It's like they feed the cows prime, like beautiful food, and they give them Guinness to drink, and they are you plump calling them me up. Wagyu beef? Oh, <laughs> I mean, not, I'm not saying you're Wagyu beef because you stand up for yourself. But there are artists who are Wagyu beef, and they're given massages and perfect, beautiful food oh, and no. top hotels. But ultimately, there's somebody else's steak dinner. I'm just a sick cut of meat. Oh, <laughs> you're it. not. You're not. You're not because you're setting boundaries no, at 24. No, 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 no. But like, I'm not perfect. Like, I feel like. No. Okay. So last summer I had a similar call. I wanted to take a week off to go do something personal. It was in like the heat of the moment. Like it was a really busy time for me. I was like releasing release week or like release month. Mm -hmm. At least two months, I had loads of work on, but I needed to take a week off simply because I knew I was burning out. 
And I got a phone call saying, like, do you really want this? Like, if you take this week off, it's going to have detrimental effect on your career. And I was like, a week? My career is over in a week? You're saying this to me right now? I've had these phone calls, and I've had to constantly fight my corner. I'm so happy you are fighting your corner, though. Because as you say, like, those people are workaholics, and they're meaning the best and everything. But you have to set your boundaries because also working behind the scenes is not the same as being on stage. It's not the same. There's a different energy. And also all the people want to see you and they want to touch your hand and they want, they, they're seeing something in you that they're getting from you. And therefore it's an energy pull and you do need to rest and restore. And like, I mean, my career is nothing like yours and I don't wish to compare it, but you know, we play big venues. Catherine and I both play big venues. Um, and, you know, with The Guilty Feminist and, and other, you know, Catherine does telly and other things. And sometimes there's this sort of, it's such an amazing feeling. And my audience is the loveliest audience in the world. I mean, it is incredible. My listeners are just freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. And so I get energy from that as well. And I've really missed it this year. But there is something about performing. If you're touring, you can get super exhausted. And then you, a lot of people want to talk to you afterwards. And you want that. Of course you want that. You want that energy exchange. But sometimes you just feel like, it's not really me. It's somebody else that they're talking to that, that, yeah. it, you know, do you know what I mean? Like it's not actually Ash. It's sort of everything you represent. Yeah, exactly. You need to be yeah. on all the time. Yeah. I, every time I come off tour, I, um, I get like some weird illness. Like, um, last time I came up tour, I had a mouthful of ulcers right now. Oh. I'm struggling to talk to y'all cause I have a <gasps> massive ulcer right here. But I get like stress ulcers, like a whole mouthful of ulcers. I had like a a weird gum disease that only babies get when they aren't getting enough nutrients. I was like, I was so fucked up. I had like stomach ulcers, like just the my body was just failing just because I wasn't taking care of myself properly. Okay, Um, Ash, you need to take care of yourself better. I feel I need to send you someone. You know, I used to be a nanny. Did you? Can you Mm -hmm. nanny me? Yeah, that's what I'm really drawn to. I'm really drawn to. I would watch to. that reality TV show. <laughs> I just, you, can you imagine the amazing album that would come out of it? It would be like Mary Poppins meets Pussy Riot. The nanny. <laughs> the nanny, yeah, I love absolutely. It. I would love to come and nanny you for a couple of weeks, just look after you and make you, Please. I'd have to bring I my wish, husband because he's the I wish you could come here and save me from this poltergeist. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. My husband does um, both cooking and tech. But I would be like an, I could be like a more, I am a very good emotional support animal for a few of my friends. The other day I went into the woods with my dog. I went on a little walk and I just screamed really loud and it was really cool. Yeah. It was was good. It was good therapy for me. I just let it loose in the woods. That sounds great. This is really, this is important stuff. This feels like a, less like we're making a podcast though and more like we're really just having a conversation that's really real. (laughs) I feel very, you're very real. You're very open. Like it's, you'll like your music. Yeah. Um, Thank you. There isn't this sort of, there's no PR barrier, which is very unusual. It struck me that like the, I think that the singular thing about being the performer as opposed to the mechanics behind it as well is also that you get the Twitter abuse, right? Like if you have a bad gig, no one's like, huh, I wonder if as a team they collectively decided to maybe work too long this week. They're just like, she's not very good. Yeah. Or like, she's no good live. And that's like, that's the feedback you get. So you are taking all of the criticism as much as you're doing 
like you know doing all the work but I also think the problem with our jobs is that it's not uh, nine to five as, as you say Deborah which means that we are I think sometimes overwhelmed with gratitude that we get to do something we would otherwise do for free that when people are like can you work insane hours you just sort of go along with it because it seems spoiled not to the problem is as well they are playing on our innermost fear which is that like there's a tiny window during which you could maybe make this your real life and you know for a fact there are so many other people who would happily do your job that and there's the young and fuckable thing young and fuckable but, but also just like you don't get to complain because this is everybody's dream sort yeah, of thing is that's very I, toxic. That's what I get a lot. Like when I do complain, it, it's like, do you know how many other girls would love to be in your place? I'm like, fuck you. But don't you think that feeds into a thing though? Like, I don't know if it does for you, but certainly with me, it's like, what if I never make anything good again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's always like that fear of like the last good song I wrote might be the last one. <laughs> Which is obviously yeah. bullshit, right? Like, there's no way that you won't get better at something that you're practicing. That's insane. Like, it doesn't make any sense. But it is, they're all bound up, I think, in creating an insecurity that means you feel like you have to keep working, which yeah. is, it's really effective. Like, it's a well-practiced line they've done. On top of all that, the internet just hates women. Just, like, obsessed with humiliating women. The like a, yeah, oh yeah, yes, absolutely. Is. Build you up, then snatch it away and laugh as you cry in the gutter, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It's just the strangest, like I think I I became very free this year when I just realized the internet is obsessed with humiliating women. Just love just love to find little 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 holes to pick and and just like scrutinize me like under a crazy, crazy microscope, just like finding all my flaws and just love like reveling in my humiliation loving it and yeah I'm, I'm just kind of over it now I'm like okay you guys are obsessed you guys are sad and obsessed <laughs> with humiliating women and that is a really that's like a really really unproductive hobby to have and I I wish you well <laughs> <laughs> that's great huh. that's great that's a great yeah, that's attitude to have yeah. I really think we should spread that somehow like, what is that going to bring you? You you literally, like, spend your time, like, trying to find unflattering screenshots of me and, like, constantly yeah. reposting, like, a bad live session that I did. Like, good luck. Have yeah. a great life. I wish yeah. you well. You're a gold record girl. You don't really need to worry about it. We know that exactly. it's the name of you. <laughs> exactly. The That's poltergeist reset that as well because the poltergeist oh. knows. Having listened to it now, I feel like a gold record girl. You are. We're all oh my gold God. girls. <laughs> it's true. What do you think's next so for generous. you, Nico? We were talking about like what's next and always that fear of the future and fear of, you know, for all creative people, like what if that's the last good song I write, which obviously it's not going to be. As Catherine said, you're practicing something, you're getting better. And also your views will change as you get older and you'll be responding to a different changing world. So there's yeah. so much more in you to say and, and that will continue. What do you think's next for you? I mean, other than Exorcist, the album, Oh yeah, that's right. I gotta write that in order to get rid of <laughs> Oh god. I don't know. I'm working on this album. I'm going in with a lot of like fancy people in LA. The great thing about working with fancy people in LA, like really like awarded, um, very rich people, is they have the best refrigerators, like full of snacks and drinks. <laughs> 
It's my favorite thing. <laughs> Just like so Amazing. many good snacks. I love it. Mm. I love it. I love it. Like when I'm going in with like a huge producer, I'm like, they they really, they've got to have a treasure chest full of snacks for me today. I did um, not expect you to be such a soulmate. When I saw you, I was like, she's everything. She's so dynamic. <laughs> she's so fabulous. I didn't know you were going to be a soulmate, a snack. <laughs> so, what's next for you? The snack fridge is was not yeah. what I was expecting. Yeah, yeah no, I'm I want to know what, some- what the best snacks were. <laughs> so the other day I had a session with uh, these fucking fabulous producers i won't name names but they're incredible and they had um like endless supply of coconut water and all the drinks i could ever possibly want and they had dried mango in a bag they had seaweed they had um yes cheese puffs they had chocolate they had everything and i could just pop up and down Mm. And go to the kitchen, grab a snack, go back up to the studio. It was great. It was my dream. That sounds amazing. All the modern organizations have Netflix is like this. It's just, it's a snack nirvana. It's like, yes. you. it's the snack cupboard you dreamt of as a child. But yeah. then also with this extra sort of vegany, sustainable element that you've come to understand is important as a grown up. Exactly. Can I ask you one thing, Ash? Have you heard about the policing bill? Because you've been over in America, so you might not have heard about it. But if no, you were here, you this? would have heard about it. So it's only, I'm only asking this because you live in London most of the time. You know, this government is pretty scary in the things that they're doing. Um, yeah. One of the things that they're doing, they're putting out this new bill to give the police extra powers. And, oh, cool. Um, yeah. Because yeah, cool, cool, the police cool. need extra power. Even yeah. actually the gossip from inside the police is the police don't want these extra powers because it puts them in a very difficult position. And one of the things in this bill is that protests are going to be much more heavily policed. They can prosecute you, arrest you, and you can do jail time up to 10 years for being noisy and annoying. And that is totally subjective. Who's saying who's noisy and annoying? And it's kind of the definition of a protest to be noisy and annoying. That's what a fucking protest is. You go down, you go, what do we want? When do we want it? They're also saying we're not going to be able to protest in front of the House of Commons, which of course is where all the MPs are. And it's really, really scary. It's like the end of our democracy. It's like, so we're doing a campaign called Noisy and Annoying, which is specifically about getting the government to amend the clause in the bill that says you can't be noisy and annoying, because if they take that out, we won't be unsafe to protest. Here's my question to you. I feel like you stand for noisy and annoying if in a way, because you're yeah, not, not that you're not annoying, but do you know what I mean? Like no, your I'm whole, noisy and annoying, both of those things. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in such an amazing way. And I feel like this campaign desperately needs profile and energy from people who represent this and really feel it. And I was wondering, is there any world in which you would have interest or capacity in like writing a song for Noisy and Annoying or just sort of getting behind the campaign or doing a video or something like that? I just feel like I don't want to live in a country where we're not allowed to protest anymore. We're frightened to protest. Yeah, absolutely. I I actually did hear a little bit about this. It's so fucked up. We're going to be living in this dystopian hellhole. It's like a fucking Margaret Atwood novel. It really is. And a bunch of states in America have already put a law like this through, by the way. A bunch of states in America, including Florida. Which state are you from originally? North Carolina. Oh, my God. My friends are in North Carolina right now. They're a gay couple who were on Broadway, but one of their parents lives in North Carolina. So for the lockdown, they've gone there. And it's so Bible belty and, you know, like 
hardcore. Yeah. Wow. Being gay in North Carolina is is an experience for sure. For sure. Uh, It's very, very homophobic state unless you're in like these more left hotspots. But yeah, it's not it's not the not the place. They're in Greensboro, which I think is all right. They've moved into a sort of hip part of town into a Greensboro, that's where I'm from. Oh my god. What? Yeah. Greensboro is not uh well, I haven't been there in a while, but from my experience, very uh homophobic, but maybe it's changed. It I don't is, know. but no, I think they're in a little you know when you get like hip parts of town. Yeah. I think they've okay. moved to an okay part of town. Yeah, it's a it's a place. It's a place in the world that is <laughs> strange. So um, I was raised in a place like that in Australia, a beach town called the Gold Coast. And it's the same. It's the same. It's, do you know, it was illegal to be gay there when I was growing up. Oh, yeah. great. They cool. made it legal, but not that long ago, honestly. Jesus fucking Christ. That's so evil. I know. It really is. Oh, um, my it's God. It's been so amazing talking to you. Thank you so much for this, by the way. It was really good to talk to you guys. It was. Oh, my God. I'm loving talking to you. It was really nice to speak I'm, to you. Yeah. I feel like. Even now, like, sorry to go back into it, but no, even no. now, like, when you're at the top, it's still, there's still, like, an unease and, like, a a fear that it's all going to disappear and that you're going to be irrelevant, like, tomorrow, which is so toxic. It's so yeah. unbelievably toxic. Um, but also, you're yeah. not, like, some people, because they sing a very specific sort of pop that's generally written for them, and it's it's a lot of it's cosmetic, they live with that fear, but you're like Lady Gaga. You'll just keep reinventing yourself and oh writing God. new stuff. My and queen. Agreed. Has Gaga reached out to you and said, I'll mentor you? Oh man, no, but <laughs> we can manifest. We can dream. I feel I like she should. So yeah, we can. That women yeah. should support other women. Such and, a good and, pair. Yeah, yeah. I would I would love to work with Gaga. Let's let's manifest that. Okay, for me. Lady Gaga, if you're listening. On the Exorcism album. On the Exorcism album. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Please, please. Yeah, I'm really trying to work with, like, my heroes this year. I mean, I I have already worked with, like, some incredible women. But, yeah, I'm trying to to collab with all of them. Skater Boy, which I listened to, which is your cover of Avril Lavigne's song, which is fantastic. Have you massively changed the lyrics, or were they always so... No, um, I changed them all. <laughs> I changed them all. I'm sure I don't remember Avril Lavigne singing this. <laughs> I was start off and I was like, oh, she's covering Skateable. Oh, this has taken a turn. Maybe this was the explicit version that wasn't allowed on the radio. I thought, I think yeah. she's changed the lyrics. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, Avril, Avril didn't say he didn't try to make her come. No. Yeah. That's what I thought. I was fairly yeah. sure. Did you have to have a conversation with Avril Lavigne where you said, this is how I want to change it? So actually, Avril and her team haven't cleared the use of Skater Boy since it came out, or like like very little clearance. So we were super lucky and grateful that it even got cleared. Um, but yeah, I feel like a conversation was had with Avril and her team. But you and Avril didn't sit down and have a green tea or a kombucha? No, no, I wasn't like, hey, Avril, I'm not going to lie. These lyrics are a little bit problematic in 2021, and I've got to change them. Um, to fit my views. I, I didn't have that conversation. I'd love to. I feel like we could. I'm trying to I'm trying to film a video and get her in it. I'm amazed um, these these people don't reach out to you because if I were them, I'd be like, oh my God, she's the new generation. I need to be 
like mentoring her, encouraging her, telling her what a fan I am, inviting her around to my house to meet my poodles or whatever people have. Mm. I imagine they have like poodles in handbags, stuff like that. I don't know what Avril Lavigne has. I have a poodle in a handbag, so. <laughs> my, 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 nice. you're re- I rest my but case. Don't you think those song lyrics were like, were in the way, like the, what you've done with them makes them up to date but and makes them more controversial. But at the time, I remember that song being quite like, startling because it was like wait you don't have to be this version of like female presentation in order to be like the victor one time so I feel like she would think that's cool and get why you had to update it right because that's yeah that was that was the same point you're making she was pioneering at the time but now we've we've upgraded we can be a whole spectrum of femininity it doesn't have to be one thing so we're we're very fluid here they don't call it progress because it stops. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. not progress if you're singing the same thing yeah. people were singing in the 90s or the noughties. Exactly. It, but exactly. You, can't, you can't sing your skater boy without Avril Lavigne singing hers. And she can't sing hers without Alanis Morissette singing hers. And so on and so on and so on. Um, exactly. Somebody has to step forward and go, this is what. But if Avril Lavigne had tried to sing what you were singing in the 90s, it would have been too much. Yeah. It would have too much. That would have been so cool, though. <laughs> that would have been like bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> Whenever I do live, uh, like, so the other day I played uh, Seth Meyers' late night talk I show. I saw that. I um, shared it actually nice. on my Instagram. Thank you. And I had to change those lyrics, obviously, because I can't say cunnilingus on TV. And loads of people are like, how dare you censor our queen? Like, how dare you? Why would you even yes. ask her to play if you're <laughs> going to censor her? And I'm like, this is TV. I yeah. can't say conolingus. You Why are you so shocked? It's I not can't. Seth Meyers' fault. He doesn't run the yeah. weird American censorship department. I'm with the tweens on the internet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm aghast. Cool. What do you say instead of cunnilingus? What's the clean lyric there? I gave your girlfriend tongue kisses on my couch. I see. <laughs> but you're not saying where you kissed with your tongue. Yeah. Like, I couldn't, I, there's no way to clean that up. I had to, mm-hmm. I had to just replace the word. Yeah. Um, they wouldn't let me say naked. So, what? I, so I, had to, I just had to start the song with, I'm not shy. I'll say, it. I've been thinking about you, baby, instead of, I've been thinking about you naked. What? Which to me was like, no. all right, yeah. America's also, too much. They wouldn't let me say butt cheeks, but I snuck that in anyways. That's outrageous. I can't nice. say yeah. naked. Nice. I know, yeah. How is it, that, when you know all that Home I of the could, Brave, Land of the Free stuff, in what way is that the Land of the Free? It's actually. It's not. It's, it's not. My mom got fired from a teaching job because she was teaching art and um, the, there was like a naked female form. Because art has loads of naked bodies in it. Um, it wasn't yeah. like explicit or anything. It was just like a statue of like a naked woman. Like Venus de Milo or something. Yeah, like something like that. I think it was just in like a documentary she was showing the kids. And besides the like random like tit that was in this film, it was like very informative. Like, I mean, uh, the tit was informative, but... These kids went home to their conservative Christian parents <laughs> and they were like, Mom, like <laughs> the art teacher showed me a nipple today and she got fired. Wow. Yeah. I remember my mother was a painter, so we had we always had nudes hanging in our house. And I remember other children like 
coming to my house to play. And it was always so normal in my house to have nudes. We were not a naked family. I never saw my parents Mm. naked, but it was art had a different realm. Oh my God, I'm going to show you this painting that's in my house at the moment. I'll see if it's, I'll see if I can show you. This is by a French artist called Nush. Um, Fanny Nushka Moreau is her real name. It's her full name. And it's such a subversion of women, naked women in paintings. I'll see if I can show it to you. Okay, let me pull it back. I'm going to try not to unscrew this. Ooh. Can you, oh, can you, hold on. Oh, I don't think I can do it. Hold on. Ah, oh, here we go. Can you see that? Beautiful. So, so it's wait. a naked woman looking at the clothed people in a gallery as opposed to the clothed people looking at the naked woman in the gallery. I love she, that. a whole series of them. She's amazing. That's so good. I love that. She closed down a gallery in Paris to do it. And um, she and her model, who's also her muse, who also works with her, went in and she sketched, I guess, and photographed in situ. So this is all in a real gallery. And she's painted the paintings in the real gallery. So clever. There's one where there's a naked woman going up to an old Victorian portrait of an old man with white hair who looks all grumpy like they do in portraits. And this naked woman's going right up to him and she's like really confronting him. She's looking at him like, huh. And she's there like beautiful and naked going, interesting. And it's just this (laughs) flip on men walking into galleries, (laughs) looking at paintings of naked women. It's so interesting. I love that. You have to send me the name of that artist. I'd love to. I will send you the name of the artist. It's uh, And uh, yeah, you can look at her her catalog and stuff. She's so interesting. I love her so much. And I know her actually only because I love her paintings and I bought a couple of her paintings. So I we DM and stuff. But we are both planning an end of lockdown Paris drinks session, which you are both welcome to join. I'd love to come. That I love it. Me too. Be careful what you wish for. I love what creative women get together. I love... Creative women and alcohol is my favorite thing. Just like <laughs> yes. blah, 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 talking, talking, it's talking. It's so restorative. It's oh, so restorative. I really like, need it right mm. now, you guys. I have just been, I love my husband a lot and I love my cats, but mm. I haven't seen anyone in so long and I just really need to drink a lot with women and just like yeah. really get into it because, listen, cishet men do not talk at the nitty and the gritty they don't want to analyze everything and everyone yeah. at the level that I need the analysis. <laughs> I need that too. I definitely need that. I feel okay. like all I've been doing is like being in the studio with a bunch of dudes, just like making music about how much I hate dudes. <laughs> Can there be a dress code? Can yes. We all... yes. Yeah. But you have to think, set it, Ash. I think debutante ball is a cool dress code. Oh, that's a good idea. When I was in um, school, I don't know if you know this, Deborah, but in Ireland, instead of prom, we have a debutante ball, but it's just, but it's not the same as the American, like introduced your virgins by your dad kind of business, but it's like, (laughs) it's still like getting hammered and getting fingered, but it's, um, it's shortened to the Debs. It's always called the Debs. Um, I think your party should be called the Debs. But yes, I, I want to dress up in a prom dress and uh, we can discuss fingering at the very least whilst we're getting Beautiful. drunk in Soho. Can I pitch another dad- song for the Exorcist album? Yeah. Hammered and Fingered. <laughs> Perfect. I've got my, some- dad, my dad didn't even think about giving me away to debutante ball. I was like... What's up? I like sex. I'm not a virgin anymore. <laughs> no need to introduce me to society. <laughs> Is that a North Carolina thing? They've been acquainted. <laughs> yeah. Me and sex are already acquainted. No no need to introduce me. I remember I have like a really clear memory of 
my friend's mom asking my mom if I wanted to participate in um oh fuck what's it called a cotillion that's what mm-hmm. it is wait I need to I need to mm-hmm. look at the exact meaning of that word yeah it's a, it's like a it's a cotillion yeah um but then also had to go to like etiquette school and my mom just like this was the year that I got suspended for writing a dirty story about my teacher and would like burp in boys' faces as a joke. Um, I still do that to be fair. But um, she was like, kind of like bitchily said to my mom, she was like, have you thought about sending her to a cotillion and etiquette school? And my mom and dad just laughed. They were like, have you met her? She's a demon. Um, I would like to see that movie, though, of you. I'd like to see a movie of you at 16 going to a finishing school. (laughs) Yeah. And finishing school, by the way, is a great name for another album. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, They should send boys to those. Yeah, cishet men should all be sent to finishing Finishing school. Um, can you set up your song for us, please? Because you need to introduce a song like it's a debutante. I'm not shy, I'll say it. I've been picturing you naked. I'm you look like a fucking painting Big doe eyes, amazing She's everything I've been praying My heart palpitations She looks like the type to break it Me and your girlfriend playing dress up in my house Cunnilingus on my couch 
Nick Jorkins, thank you. The joke is so good. The joke is that I said I'm shy at the end, like as a joke, like I'm not actually shy. But now I've made this song where I'm like bragging about giving the best head. And now if I'm with like when I, like whenever I like hook up with a girl again, it's gonna be like, all right, throw it down. Let's see what you got. Oh yeah, <laughs> this better be that. I didn't really think of that. It's an advertisement. Yeah, if- this better be the best head I've ever had in my life. I'm shy now. <laughs> You definitely put down a gauntlet. It, it really does. It is such a funny song, though. Like it is funny. The ho- it's so good. It's, it's so really good. But, yeah, funny. I wish you well with that because, uh, my God, that's a high bar. Yeah, it's very know, sexy like- though as well. I cannot not dance to that song, even Thank though I was doing slightly comedy sitting down dancing. I no, I I, I appreciate it. I feel I am, it. I'm I just have glad to. it made you move. Yeah, oh, this it is- really does. I love I must- this song. It's my favorite one on the mixtape. Oh, I really love it. And I love you. And I want to hang out with you. And I want to work with you on Noisy and Annoying if you have yes, the bandwidth. And I would love that. I've been listening to your podcast since I was like 18. So what? This, is, this is a no. dream. I have. Yeah, what? I have. Really? Yeah. That's so yeah. cool. So this is great. Gosh, I'm so moved and touched. I assumed the PR people had been like, you should do this podcast. No, well, they they were they were like you should do this, but I'm like, oh, absolutely! Like I listen to Guilty Feminists. So, oh yeah. my god! Yeah. Oh, so wow. Do big, you have any? I'm a oh. feminist, but if you listen to it, then you then you might have some in your head. I've had a lot of I'm a feminist, but in my life because nobody's perfect, you know. <laughs> we all do. People who say they don't, they, I don't believe them. Uh, and also, Agreed. I don't want to hang out with them if they don't have any armor feminist butts. I'm like, are you going to be fun? Um, yeah. I feel like yeah. I feel like we all have got a lot in our back catalog, but you don't have to think of them now. Where can people get your music? I mean, I know where, like, but just on it's the, all the regular on the internet, Spotify's. My name is, is Ashniko, A S H N I K K O. Go find me on the internet. I make music um, that your grandmother would probably hate. Um, so <laughs> it's true yeah. unless you've got a very cool grandmother yeah. uh, and some people do you know some people's grands were green and common women and will be grooving to this that's all i'm saying yeah also i'm playing um the o2 forum kentish town december 7th uh you have been an absolutely spectacular guest both uh conversationally and musically we love you loads we're super excited to come to your gig we will be there guilty feminist buy tickets now while you still can it's ashley Co. Yay! Thank you! Really nice to meet you! You have been listening to The Guilty Feminists with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Catherine Bohart, and our very special guest, Ashley Coe. The Guilty Feminists theme tune was composed by Mark Hodge, produced by Nick Scholl, the producer was Tom Slinsky for the Spontaneity Shop, thanks to Rachel Craft, Machina DCO, and everyone who made this episode happen, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com! Deborah, can you hear me? Is Deborah listening to the song? I don't think so. I think she's just frozen. Can you not hear it? No. Oh, you can't hear it? No. No. You must, I must have looked mad dancing to nothing. Yeah, it's cool though. I like it. <laughs> Catherine and Ash can't hear it, Tom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com